1: Welcome to episode 162 of the Modern Classrooms Project Podcast. My name is Tony Rose Dian, and they, them pronouns, a community engagement manager here at MCP. And I am joined by a digital marketing manager for the national board, Eddie Santiago. Welcome, Eddie.
2: Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me, Tony Rose. I've, we've been trying to get this for through for a little while, now. I'm glad I was able to make it come to fruition. <laughs>
1: Yes, and it, it's so exciting to be in this space with you. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. I know that you and I have sent a lot of emails to each other trying to really get this thing started. And so I'm just like super stoked because I have a lot of questions for you. Um, but before we get started, what is bringing you joy currently?
2: Uh, currently as my nieces and nephews, I just found out I was just at a wedding this past weekend and I found out that my sister is pregnant with a niece and I also found out, and I also have my little niece. She's my other niece from my, one of my other sisters. She started preschool recently, so I've been getting a bunch of photos and videos of her just doing a bunch of skills and learning things, and it's been great.
1: Are you like the cool uncle? Is that, I'm trying to is be. Bro. Trying? They're all
2: pretty young, so that's what I'm trying. To, that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to build my persona around is being the cool uncle. Hey, y'all, come to DC. We'll come. We'll we'll do go to these museums. We'll do a couple of things.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that so much. I I'm also trying to like. Well, I don't, I, we don't have a lot of like nieces and nephews in my family just yet, but we're getting there. So I, I think I'm going to just be that cool person in their lives.
2: I don't know. We'll see. Um,
1: but okay. Well, tell us more about who you are and how you started your education journey and how you got to where you are now.
2: Yeah. So um, my name is Eddie Santiago, born and raised in Springfield, Massachusetts. And I honestly got into this education stuff by complete mistake. Uh, I went to college for journalism. I went to West Virginia University for, I got my degree in journalism. I worked in local news prior to taking this job at the national board. And then I got this job because they called me. I didn't even realize I applied and I came down, killed the interview and they hired me. And my first week on the job, they brought us out to San Diego for a teacher engagement uh, conference or something they were putting on. And just the amount of energy and the amount of compassion and love and empathy that the teachers had in that room just got instant buying. It was like within my first week of being on the job, I just got instant buying. And all right, education is a space I need to be in to make improvements. And then as I've learned more over the years about the issues that come that come with educa that are coming with education that need to be resolved, it's something that's become very uh, important to me. A lot of teachers say it's a calling and I feel like this was my calling, right? It was like I got this job and then all of a sudden this was my calling to education. It wasn't a classroom teacher, but it was trying to fix education in a different way.
1: I really appreciate you sharing your story. Um, Journalism—that was actually what I majored in, like what I got well, not majored in, but what I got accepted in college for—and then I shifted to education because I just really, really loved anything and everything that dealt with education. So, um, thank you for sharing that. And also, like educators are a whole vibe; like they're the best people. I feel like, (laughs) like
2: I always talk about, like I always give credit to my first black teacher, uh, Miss Holmes, third grade. Shout out, Miss Holmes, third grade. Uh, Washington Elementary in Springfield, Massachusetts, was the first teacher to make me feel like I was a smart person and put me on the path to achieving and be where I'm at now. So, like, yeah, teachers are a vibe. Like, they make the whole world go. Like, ain't no jobs possible without them.
1: Yeah, and I completely agree with that. Like, I, this just brought me a uh, this brought something up for me. I went to a conference last year, Educator Leaders of Color Conference, and one oh, of one their. They're really, really, really dope. Definitely check that out. Um, but one of the questions that um an organization was asking was, um, when was when did you have your first black teacher? And I didn't realize how much like I didn't realize how many people hadn't had a like a first black teacher until college, right? Same. And, I met
2: somebody recently who had I was like, what? That is crazy.
1: Yeah. It is so wild to me because, so I was born in the Philippines and I moved to South Georgia. And so South Georgia, like all of my teachers were black. (laughs) So I was like, wait a minute, I was in third grade and I had black teachers. And so I didn't know how like fortunate I was to have black teachers already at such a young age when there were so many folks who like, were like, no, we got it. We got our first like black teacher in college. And I was just like, whoa, that's... I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) It's wild. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. Educators. It was definitely my fifth grade teacher who um, inspired me to become an an educator as well. And my parents did a whole number of like trying not to get me to be a teacher because they were just like, you know, it's not even, you're not going to get the respect that you need. You're not going to get the money. Like it was just a very like pushback, like, don't, don't, don't get into education, but I'm really glad that I got into it because I just like love everything and anything about it. Right. Um, okay. So can you provide an overview of what national board certification for teachers is NBCT, right? So, um, and why it's considered a prestigious credential in the field of education. I know, but maybe our listeners don't know. And there's, we have a huge, um, we have a huge pool of teachers as well who are NBCT like certified. And so this is really exciting for y'all to be in this space with us. But for listeners who have no idea, can you just give us a little bit more information about that?
2: Yeah, for sure. So it's going to be a little bit of a history lesson here. So back in 1983, there was a landmark report called A Nation at Risk that detailed there was a rise in tide of mediocrity amongst teachers and in the education system that threatened to impact America's future. And in response, there was a a uh, task force put together of policymakers, educators, teachers, associations, and business leaders, and then that uh, convened to figure out the problems. And then in, in 1987, the National Board was founded. Uh, it was not founded in a follow-up report. In 1987, the, the National Board was established as the profession's vehicle for defining and recognizing accomplished teachers. And now we have NBCTs 35, 36 years later. We have around 133,000 uh, educators that have achieved national board certification, and the numbers are increasing more and more every year. It started off pretty low, obviously, when it started, but now uh, last year we reached record candidates of, of people going through the process, and this year we're on track to break that number. So it's uh, things are going up.
1: I, that That's really, really exciting. Um, and, and I'm curious, too, like, why why would an educator – do something like this. And also like, uh, I'm blanking on it, but yeah, let's, let's, let's ask, you know, let's kind of talk about like, why is this something that we want educators to do? Or why is this something that educators want to do?
2: Yeah. So like, this is the chance for teachers and educators to distinguish themselves as teacher leaders in their schools and their communities in their classroom. This is a chance for them to also learn about themselves because sometimes you don't know what you're doing wrong until you see yourself doing it wrong. Right. And part of the process is recording yourself, doing written commentary on things like that on stuff you've done in the classroom to push student achievement. So there's a lot that goes into it that helps you grow professionally and can put you in on the path to being a leader and being into on committees and thought of as the expert in education issues in your community. And I think that's something that a lot of uh, NBCTs take heed to and really want to own. Is that they're thought of as leaders in their school and their their voice really matters. Uh, going through the process allows them to show off those skills and be able to again learn. Like a lot of the MBCTs I speak to, say it's the greatest professional development they've ever been to. They've been through this process is completely voluntary, and some states have incentives and fee support to help you pay for uh, the how to, to go through the process and then have an extra salary stipend on the back end once you complete. So there's definitely um reasons to more than one reason to do it monetarily or professionally, whether you want to grow both your bank account and your personal account, personal, personal growth standard. We all want to do both.
1: Okay. So I have a question that I don't know if you have the answer to it. um, And maybe this is just like my ignorance. Um, So is it true that if I am nationally board certified, that I can just teach anywhere in the country because I'm nationally board certified? Like, how does that work? Because I know in different states, there are different like protocols,
2: yeah, pretty much. So it will it will um, expedite your license, your licensure in that state, right? You won't automatically be guaranteed, but it'll expedite the licensure for you to get your license between states. And a lot of states have started to come out recently with they're recognizing national board across state borders. So like Pennsylvania recently put out uh, put out some job requests saying if you're an NBCT, you can come here and we'll get your license right away, right? And so like they're really trying to Teacher quality and teacher retention is a big thing in the space now, and MBCTs are more likely to stay in the classroom uh, than teachers who are non-MBCTs. And so a lot of states are starting to pick up on that.
1: Okay. 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 That's that's really, really interesting. And when we think about educators, it's not just like content teachers, right? Like English teachers or math teachers. It's like
2: No, this is counselors, libraries. Like there is 19 different content areas. like it's, it's, it's a huge breakdown. I was never a classroom teacher, but we have 10 NBCTs or 10 or 11 NBCTs on staff. So I'm able to talk to them all the time about what the process was like, what, like what I need, what goes into it and all of that. And so there's a lot that comes with going through the process. And once you, a lot of them, most of them, I'm going to say all of them. I want to say all of them, but I don't want to put that, put that out there. Most of them say they come out better on the other side.
1: Whoa, that's so cool. That's so cool. Okay, I, I have so many other follow-up questions, but we can move on and I'll probably just like sure. sprinkle them in there, right? Um, sure. So when I was in the classroom, I was always aspire, like I always aspired to be nationally board certified. And then I always found an excuse not to do it. <laughs> surprise, surprise there, right? It happens. Like, it's tough.
2: Like-, like, It's tough. It's not something that you can just easily pick up and throw on your plate. Like one thing we've tried to, one message we've tried to, uh put out there recently is you're already doing a lot of the work this is just kind of you documenting a lot of the work that you already doing
1: yeah and i feel like the imposter syndrome like seeped in um perfectionism seeped in as well like i just always found an excuse not to do it right and i i low-key regret that. So how do you support educators to go through this process so that it is accessible for all, so that we can disrupt this imposter syndrome and the perfectionism and like all the negative self-talk that stops educators from applying?
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, so one thing that when I got here to national board that I thought that I just noticed off the bat was the candidate experience was really lacking uh, here at the national, from a national board standpoint, there's a lot of um, state-to-state support. But there was never anything directly from the national board on how to go through the process and things like that. So one thing I did when I got here was connect with our candidate experience team, who was one person at the time, to try to enhance things. Now we got a candidate experience team of four people. We've done a lot of revamp and other process of, to make it easier, to better assess candidate, what candidate needs. We've also done a ton of work to revamp our emails to candidates, including completely redoing our candidate newsletter to be more resource and support focused instead of just... Uh, NBCT news focus. We wanted to make sure that the newsletter was very useful to candidates since it's literally going to just them. And then we also shifted our language in a lot of our automated emails, where it's going to be a lot more focused on the timeline where you're at in the school year. Really try to sync, be synchronous with where you're at in the process. It may not be completely on your timeline, but it's going to be around where you're at. So that way we're feeding you the correct information. And things like that. And then this year, we launched Homeroom. Homeroom is a new, uh, sequenced hub, hub of sequenced resource designed to help candidates through the national board journey by themselves. Because we know there's some, not every candidate is gonna be able to have, the have a support group with them. So we we put together a whole sequenced journey on our website to go through. So you know where you be. Like there's four sessions. It's very intuitive and insightful, and it walks you through literally step by step what to do. This was a project we worked six, seven months on to make sure we got it off the ground. You'll see a suggested timeline to be able to manage all of your stuff you need to throughout the process. Then a couple of years ago, we launched a payment plan. You'll get six interest-free payments on on the components you purchase. So that way you don't have to come up off the price of the component right off, off the top. And then I talked about the candidate supports we have in other states. We have our Texas network, Arizona. We have I believe it's 75 state networks and uh, including a few national networks to help candidates across the country. And we also have a national board name, which is National Accomplished Minoritized Educators or Network of Accomplished Minoritized Educators. There we go. So it's a it's literally a, a national support group for teachers of color who are going through the process to be able to go to and feel comfortable.
1: Uh, can you link me to those
2: people?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, this is so great because I know that was probably what, like 2015 that I was looking into, um, getting nationally board certified. And I just like talked myself out of it. So now knowing that like, there's all of these supports, that's really, really great. I also wondered too, um, do y'all have like, how does your how is your community as far as like folks who have been who have gone through this process, right? Like, are there touch points? Are there are there like meetups or something like that for folks to connect with each other?
2: Um, that's something we do. Uh, pretty regular webinars. We have our yearly academy where it's a three day conference on virtual conference to learn a bunch of things. But also one thing we did we realized we were lacking in is our touch points with our with the MBCTs. Those are I like to call them our stakeholders. Like we don't, I don't have a job without them, to be honest. And so I like to, I want to connect with them and make sure like, yo, like we're here for you too. Like, don't worry about it. And so one thing we are starting to build up is doing a lot more just regular social events just to tap in and catch up. Like we have a, we're going to the Texas pinning ceremony. Like, so they do pinning ceremonies where NBCTs will go literally get a pin that says NBCT on it um, at these state ceremonies. And so we're going to the Texas Penance Ceremony this year, and uh, they have we're going to do a social hour prior to the prior to the actual Penance Ceremony because we want to get involved with our candidates and MBCTs down in Texas. And so this is something we're trying to do more often. Of is meet up in person, especially since uh, the pandemic has largely settled down, and so we're able to be outside a lot more often. We really want to be involved and in person with with a lot of our stakeholders.
1: Yeah, and I think, oh my gosh, a pinning ceremony, that sounds fascinating. Um, and even like, as I feel like that's just so much joy too, right? Because it's such hard work that like our educators just put in. And then like to do the whole pinning ceremony and then a social hour beforehand, like I think that's really, really cool.
2: Yeah, like there's the, the AZK12 Center has like a huge pinning ceremony. They were like roll out the red carpet, like paparazzi, all types of stuff. It is huge. It's a huge event. That they do every year and it's like man I haven't been but like, man I gotta get out to that one because that one it looks it looks like you go into a movie like a movie reveal like a it's it's crazy
1: so how so Eddie how often does that happen does it happen just like once a year
2: yeah so scores are released usually the I want to say the second Saturday in December and then the pennant ceremonies usually happen January February late January early February of of uh, the following year. And so a lot of them are usually planned out way in advance, but the penance ceremonies, yeah, it's usually early January, late December, about, yeah, once a year. There'll be renewal scores and then initial scores that were released at different times. But when we revamped the process a few years ago, scores are released all at the same time now. So everybody's pinned that we're able to do the penance ceremonies in in January or late February. I'm trying to get National Board to do one for like local NBCTs here in the DMV area, like since I live here in DC. But it's something that's going to be like a little bit more of a push than I think.
1: Oh, this is so exciting! You're giving me lots of ideas as like the community engagement manager here at Modern Classrooms because I feel like you're right. It's the touch points that are really hard, right? Especially when we're working nationally um, and you're just like one person and like trying to like figure out how to touch base with folks. And so I do a lot of virtual meetups or really just like virtual, like one-on-ones. But I I do like, I love when I'm in person with folks just to kind of interact and be able to just be in the same physical space. So um, the pinning ceremonies, that's so so great. Okay. So I have another follow-up question. Um, How often do educators have to renew their
2: certification? So once you go through the process the first time, your certificate is good for 10 years. And then after that, you'll do maintenance and certification, which is half, about half the work and about a quarter of the cost to just make sure you're maintaining the MBCT standard. Uh, I believe it's 99% of MBCTs who go through maintenance or certification achieve. So it's really just making sure you're still on top of the game and just and refresh. And that's uh, every five years.
1: Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah, because I was thinking like, you know, I was in education. I was in education for ten years, or an educator for ten years, and then COVID happened, right? Oh, so, like, man. then everything changed, and a lot of philosophy and learning and teaching philosophies just changed and shifted because of that one thing. So, I really like the whole like every five years just to kind of revamp and like revisit and also reanalyze and relearn um so many different things.
2: Yeah, and that also like goes on our timeline with our standards, right? Like our standards are kind of uh, are updated periodically every three to five years so it's making sure that everything is updated all at the current concurrent time so that way we're not uh have missing any gaps and like you said in the education space where things just completely shift
1: Yeah, yeah and i think that that's really really important too right like i always tell our educators we reiterate all the time all the time because our group of kids are different, you know, every year they're different. They are struggling or with something that's different than it was before, or um, their strengths are a little bit different too. So I really, I love that, that there's always like an update because I think sometimes in education um, we don't update so many different
2: things. (laughs) I went to school. I had textbooks that was 15 years old.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. Like, Who and like one of the things that I've always said to Eddie is like if someone from the 1800s were to come here, they would be like, "Oh, education is the same, right? Like I can survive in education in the in the school, but I won't survive anywhere else because everything has shifted and changed so much. But like our education system has not changed that much drastically, which is wild to me to think about. So, um, okay, well. So the NBCT process is known for its rigor and thorough evaluation, right? Like you've kind of um, mentioned that already. Could you walk us through the key components that you also mentioned that they're like the payments for the components of the certification process and the standards that teachers must meet?
2: Yeah. So uh, the standards are written by teachers and for teachers. Like it's completely written by teachers. We have 11 NBCTs on staff, including our president and CEO, who is an NBCT who started a school, who has 37 years or something like that of teaching experience. And so we work with them and we also work with some distinguished educators who aren't national board certified to make sure we're not coming from one perspective all the time to periodically update the standards to make sure it's current with education, which is what we just talked about. And now the initial process takes four components. One is computer-based and three portfolio-based. And you'll get five years to submit three times in case you don't, get the scores you need to achieve on your first submission. There were 16 content areas and different age development areas, depending on the grade level you currently teach. So you can do a middle childhood generalist, right? Like you're middle school teaching, whatever, or there's like adult, young adulthood math, right? So it's like high school math almost. There's a lot of, there's different content areas. So you don't, so if you're an elementary teacher, you're not going to be on your content, knowledge on your content test, you're not gonna to have to teach high school stuff, right? So component one is a computer-based content knowledge assessment. You'll demonstrate what you know about the content you're currently teaching. And is, is this is it's assessed through three open answer questions and 45 multiple choice questions. Uh, you take it on a computer at one of the uh, assessment centers uh, local to you. There's one I believe in just about every state. And then there's three uh, portfolio components. Uh, differentiation, differentiation in instruction, uh, teaching practice and learning environment and effective and reflective practitioners. So during component two, you'll gather and analyze information about individual student strength and needs, then use that information to design and implement instruction to advance student learning and achievement, which is what you are, again, what you're already doing, but you're just kind of documenting it and writing it down and putting it in your portfolio. Uh, component three, this is where a lot of teachers get tripped up. This is where you start. to This is where you're recording yourself now. And you're seeing how you're teaching these kids and you're seeing how the kids are, are reacting and things like that. So in component three, this uh, you'll have also su- submit a written commentary on the side of that, which you, describe, which you describe and analyze and reflect on your teaching and interactions with students. So that way, to make sure you're able to get to students where they are. That's what we like to do. We want to teach them where they are. And then component four, you'll demonstrate evidence of your abilities as an effective and reflective practitioner in developing and applying the knowledge of your students. So how do you use their background to inform them about certain things that you're trying to teach? Right. And you'll use that to build an effective plan for positive to have a positive impact on their learning and collaborate with the students to make sure that they're uh, achieving learning in a way that works and is suitable for them. And. It's tough. Plenty of educators don't achieve on the first try. So if you decide to go through the process and don't achieve, don't get the scores you want on the first attempt, don't get discouraged. Plenty of the teachers, I, I the MBGT's I get to speak to didn't achieve on the first try. You'll have two more retakes to go look at what you did wrong and be able to resubmit. So it's it's a chance to pick yourself off the mat, pick yourself up the, off the mat and do it all over again and be better.
1: Eddie, I don't know if you're aware about our Distinguished Modern Classrooms Educator um, process um, (DMCE). So we've gotten, we've often gotten the comments of like the application process for DMCE kind of mirrors NBCT in a way because uh, the things that you just named, right? The differentiation and instruction, right? The teaching learning philosophies, and also just like the being the reflective teacher, right? And just like figuring out how to meet your students where they are, um, and so that uh, some of our components or a lot of our components mirror that actually which i think is just so fascinating because it's like wow i could have i could have done nbct why didn't i do it <laughs> like this is wild <laughs> um and so i i really i also really appreciate that there's like retakes right like hey if you didn't get it the first time that's okay you have another chance to do it and i think this is such an important lesson too for educators because sometimes when we are testing or assessing our students, right? Our students typically only have one time to get it right. And so it's like, well, we don't, like there are some folks who can't get it right the first time. And then there are folks who don't get it right the first time or don't get what they need to get the first time. And so like the whole revision process and the retake process and the reflective process is really, really important. So I really appreciate the fact that like educators who are going through your process are also doing all of this work, which is really empowering for anyone, honestly. Right. And it's also humbling too, I feel like, right. Like, (laughs)
2: yeah,
1: it's kind of like, Oh, I thought I could get it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, especially when you're that teacher who's like super like achieved and all that. And then you're like, Oh, I didn't get the score. What happened? Like I was talking to, I spoke with Doretha Allen, who's a NBCT down in Texas, and she didn't achieve her first try. And she loves to talk about she took it as an insult that she didn't achieve the first time, almost. Like she was like, "No, like I know what I'm talking about." And then she came back and she got the scores she got the scores she needed the second time.
1: Yeah, and it's like it's kind of um, teaching us as human beings to embrace our mistakes. And to learn from it and then, like, to make it better, right? We now have a chance to make it better. And I think this is – this model itself is also really good in the classroom, right? And allowing our students to do those retakes, allowing our students to, like, say, oh, wait, wait a minute. This is a humbling (laughs) situation. Um, Feel all the feels and then, like, let's continue to move forward because I feel like we learn more when we make mistakes, in my opinion. So – but, yeah, no, that's that's really – it's really grounding, honestly. So, this is this is exciting stuff. Um, what? So, what is the what is considered the score that is like what we want to achieve, achieve if we are applying?
2: Oh man, uh, so I couldn't give you like the actual scores. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure like what goes into the actual testing. But I, I just updated actually like our score release FAQs. So, if you want to um, go see our score release FAQs, like all of the information you need is in there. I believe we have like weighted scores versus unweighted scores. There's a whole lot that goes into the scoring that's way above my
1: head. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. And and if you don't mind, if we can get that link in the show notes, just so that our listeners can also like make sure that they have access to that. Um, yeah, another dope. thing that stood out to me, Eddie, that I really loved was that you said the standards were written by teachers for teachers. Um, so for my my experience, right, I was in I was in the classroom for ten years, and then I was an instructional coach after I was the type of teacher that would roll my eyes um, (laughs) when something is being provided for us and it was not educator led, if that makes sense. Right. And so I think like organizations and um, strategies or whatever else that are being offered for educators, it's so much more impactful when the folks who are leading this were also educators. (laughs) Um, And, and so that's, I didn't know that about the standards, which I now I'm like, oh, this, it's not surprising, right? Because I feel like NBCT is very intentional with how they move in the education space. So that's really cool.
2: Yeah, and like that's something we've tried to emulate. Like, like I said, we have 11 NBCTs on staff. Our president and CEO is an NBCT. We have NBCTs leading our standards and assessment, our candidate experience. Like we're making sure to be super intentional on how we go about, A lot of our impact on the field because we know that NBCTs can have an outsized impact on the field and teachers in general just can have outsized impact on the world. So being able to get the best ones out there is is something we really strive to do.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that so much. Okay. So listeners, we're going to take a quick break for an announcement. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about NBCT. Hey, listeners, this is Tony Rose and the co-host of this podcast. We have some learning experiences for you this upcoming week. Check out the show notes for registration links and more details. We have our Leadership Series Session 4, Beyond Absenteeism, Equity by Design, coming up on Tuesday, October 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We have our monthly Twitter chat all about AI on Wednesday, November 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You won't want to miss this. Join us by using hashtag MCP chat. We hope to see you in some of those spaces to learn with us. All right, and we're back with Eddie. So, Eddie, you've kind of, again, we've talked about this already, but just to kind of like Confirm it, right? So aspiring NBCT candidates may be curious about the challenges they might face on their journey. Um, and it seems like your team already kind of thought out like what this journey would look like, right? And to provide those supports. So can you share some tips and insights for teachers who are considering pursuing national board certification, including how to prepare and what to expect?
2: Well, there's a few, There's, I got a few tips for you. So the one thing that would always... Um, stamped in the conversations I'm able to have is read your standards, read your standards is the standards are you're going to live and die by your standards. When, when you, once you start the process, if you're able to do that um, you'll, you'll be fine. And so with the pleasure of being able to speak to all these NBCTs all over the country, they give me a lot of advice. I remember speaking with Kim Jones, who's a 2023 state teacher of the year in North Carolina, who's an English teacher. She would go to her, science department and have her writ, her written entries like writ, like just cut because sometimes they would be too wordy. And you know, as an English teacher, she was like, I love an adverb. And so she was like, the science teacher was like, no, you're just saying too much. You just need to get to the point. So that's one thing is during your written entries, you don't need a lot of fluff. Just get to the point of what you were doing and keep it as concise as possible. And one more piece of advice that resonated with me is involve your students. Uh, I was speaking to an NBC team in South Carolina and he said he would have dedicated days to record with his students. He would call them filming Fridays where every Friday the kids would role play. One of the standards that he would um, that he was trying to teach and they would teach in the classroom. So that way he can keep his students involved and let them know that, look, we're all trying to get better here. It's not just y'all like we're all trying to do this. And so involving them and keeping them engaged in the process made it a very helpful for him to get through it.
1: Oh, I really love that. You know, the whole leaning in to your community, right? Like leaning in and making sure that um, there's more set of eyes than none. Um, Because I think sometimes it's really scary to have folks read our work and then like to be critiqued. But I think, again, this is part of like our learning curve and learning process, right? Of It may sound good to us, but then when someone else reads it, it's like really wordy or like they're confused with some things. And so um, I think what I'm hearing you say is also just like, Ask for help, it's okay because <laughs> you're asking well, it's
2: meant to be a very collaborative process, right like
1: yeah
2: preach don't go through this don't go through this alone like tag a partner to go through it with you so that way you're not doing this alone even if, if you're in the school alone like we don't we encourage you to do it with a partner because it's going to be easier on both of y'all.
1: This is so wild, Eddie, because again, like a lot of the things that you're saying is is, are things that I'm saying to our community Mm -hmm. as well, right? Like when you go through the mentorship program, like find you a teacher bestie, because it's so much more fun, like disrupting the traditional way of teaching and learning with a partner. Um, And so it, this is, this is really, really, this, this is great. Um, And another thing that I also tell our educators all the time is like, if you're stuck on something or if you have no idea how to move forward, Your students are there and they will tell you how to move forward. Um, And, you know, because it's always like, well, my kids, you know, my students are not doing this thing and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do either. Let's talk to the kids and see like what they think. And they come up with some of the best ideas. And so I love that like your educator, the one that you spoke to, the NBCT, um, who welcomed and invited his students to see this learning that's happening. Um, uh, I was on a podcast with my former principal, and I was uh, something that I really loved about her was that she was also trying to be better at being a principal, and she shared that process with us as teachers. And I felt like, wow, okay, this is good because then again, right? Like as human beings, we want to welcome folks in the process so that we're not doing it by ourselves, and then we're asking for help, which is so difficult, yeah. um, but it is so helpful when we actually do it and then like inviting stakeholders in, inviting our consumers which are our students <laughs> right. to just tell us how it is and also to model that like learning continues learning doesn't just happen in these four walls in the school building but it happens everywhere around us and just because I'm here as an adult guiding and supporting you doesn't mean that I'm not doing my own learning right so I really, really appreciate that. That's a, Those are really good tips and insights. Um, and so in the beginning, you've already talked about essentially like, hey, for folks who get nationally board certified, there is like monetary and professional um, goals, right, that are being met. Um, are there any, like, how does... So I guess I want to ask if there's anything else, like how does achieving NBCT status impact a teacher's professional growth and development? Um, And then what does it signify in terms of a teacher's commitment to excellence in the classroom? Because I know you already said, like folks who are NBCT tend to stay in the classroom longer, which I think is like chef's kiss. We want (laughs) them there.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So becoming an NBCT signifies that you're an expert in educational matters, especially in your classroom. I know it'll open the door for you to be elevated, be involved in those elevated conversations that impact the schools and teachers because you're thought of as the expert of the school, the expert of the matters in that, in that area. So you're able to have your voice heard on a, on a different level when you add the comma NBCT to the end of anything, end of your name. And many NBCTs I speak to say have a national board certification on their resume with a differentiator in many of their, on many of their applications. They put in to be on committees and task forces. So aside from professional development in the classroom, you'll receive from going through the process. You'll have something that signifies that you're dedicated, you're dedicated in and a leader in the education space. And and also a sort of a side benefit I got um is it helps give parents comfort that their child is in good hands and it helps build trust that you know what you're doing. And right, and then the age and space that we're in with the climate of parents in schools right now. I think giving them that comfort that their child is in good hands will alleviate a lot of stress for a lot of people, for teachers, just themselves.
1: I also wonder too, Eddie, now that you brought in like caregivers and families, right? Like, do they know what NBCT stands for? Is that something that they need to be taught or like they just know or do they ask like they see it as, as part of the signature of their teacher's um, email and then they're like NBCT what does that mean
2: I feel like it's definitely something that has to be asked or just told to because like I didn't know about national board prior to getting this job so just being fully transparent I didn't know anything about it but so I would definitely would have needed to be like all right I don't know like what is that supposed to mean but then once I would have found out like okay cool like I know this is like the highest level of highest level that or they're going to give my my child the best education they can because I know they're going to try to get to know my child first and foremost and so it's definitely probably something that needs to be asked but I think once the information is relayed it brings a sense of relief and comfort to their child going to the going to school.
1: Yeah I really 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 love that Um, that piece of course and I know like I'm 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 thinking about some of the educators that I've worked with who has had NBCT as part of their their signature, and some of them they do like spell it out or like have it all yeah. out. It's not just NBCT, but it's also like nationally board certified. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes, yes, as yeah, you should. saying board <laughs>
2: certified and this. Since then, like no, like it's crazy, right? So we a couple of years ago we launched uh, email badges for for the emails and right. One of our one of the people, one of my coworkers didn't think it would be super popular, right? The little email badge. And let me tell you, that thing took off. <laughs> like yeah. that thing was way bigger than even I thought. Like I was like, oh, this is gonna be cool. People love to show off. But like that thing took off. Like we get questions about it all the time. Like, when can I get my badge? That's the first question we get after score release is when am I gonna get when are my badge is available? Like it's crazy
1: um and that's something definitely that we've realized too is like educators love badges right like because i think it's also just because like we are questioned so much about what we do that like we need credentials to prove that we are actually able to do the job that we signed up for which is so wild to me that like we just don't get that like same trust and and respect um and and so i i always enjoy seeing those badges and i know that i definitely had badges when i i was in the classroom because again it just like shows off in a way that like no i i know what i'm doing <laughs>
2: yeah, you <laughs> have, like you got to stand on 10 too often it's like man i just i just want to teach i'm just trying to teach the classroom i don't want to have to defend my credentials to you all right. the time right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's and another and another thing too that I've noticed um and realized too, like talking to educators of color, it feels like those credentials really, really matter for them to be able to advocate and to be able to speak up because then there's like this, you know, this this thing that's backing them up that they know what they're talking about, right? And and I hear that often too. Um, wow, this is this is really great stuff. Um, okay, so I have uh, another question for you, Eddie. When you get nationally board certified under one content, can you shift? For example, you were teaching elementary school and then now you're a librarian. How does that
0: work?
2: Um, I think you would have to go through the process again. I'm not entirely sure just because it's a whole new content area and a whole different set of skills between being a librarian and being an English teacher. So I think you would have to just go through the process again like I was just talking to another teacher who's uh a world languages teacher and he's certified in he knows three languages he knows uh English obviously French Spanish and I think German but he's only certified in French. So I think he would have to go through the pro- like you would have to go through the process for the other content area to make sure you know um what is involved in the content at least.
1: And that makes that makes a lot of sense too and I'm also wondering um for me to go through the process, I have to be in the classroom, right?
2: No, I don't think so because a lot of our MBCTs, honestly, some of them are just aren't even in the classroom. So a lot of them will borrow a classroom. Like our president and CEO this year is going through her maintenance and certification. And so in December, she's flying to Florida where she usually teaches to borrow a classroom to show that she can still um, teach. She's still an effective classroom teacher. But t- educators aren't, just in the classroom, right? We we have an MCT who's a superintendent of instruction down in Alabama. We have MBCTs who who's a superintendent of Ector County out in Texas, right? We have MCTs. We try to get them at every level of the education space because they have a different level of knowledge base to bring to those conversations.
1: Okay, that's good to know, because clearly I was asking for myself.
2: <laughs> no, but no it's definitely not somewhere you need to be in the classroom. And like one thing a lot of what like I've realized is a lot of teachers who do leave the classroom take pride in going back and doing their MOC, their maintenance certification in the classroom. They, they enjoy that part to show that, like, no, I still got it. Like, I can still do it.
1: Yeah. 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 No. Cause I know that I keep going back and forth with like, I really miss my middle schoolers, right? Like I miss the hormones. I miss Damn. them. Yes. I miss them cussing me out one second and then loving on me the next. Like I miss all of that. I'm so bored with my life without my middle schoolers. So, <laughs> um, okay. So what do you hope to see in the future and what goals do you have as far as um, NBCT is concerned?
2: Uh, honestly, i want to get to a place where it's the norm and not the exception, right? Like I b- truly believe that every student deserves the best teacher possible. And coming from where I come from, like I grew up in the projects, right? We didn't have great schools. So I know from firsthand that that isn't the case everywhere. And so for many different, there's a bunch of different reasons behind that, but trying to get the best teacher everywhere for every student is one of my, my biggest long-term goals. I think by investing in teachers, and supporting the teachers through the process this is a long way because they're gonna have an impact. We have classrooms of 30 people now, right? 30, 35 people now, these classrooms are huge. So you have an NBGT who's affecting learning in a more accelerated way, right, of 30 kids. That's gonna set a lot of kids on the right path. And so just getting to a place where national board is just thought of as a norm, almost like lawyers taking a bar exam, right? It's just what you gotta do. And that's, that's kind of where I want to get
1: to. I, yes, 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 and yes, right? Like the norm and not the, uh, the exception. Ah, that's so beautifully said, Eddie. Like, yes. <laughs> I don't have anything else except just to say yes. I love that. And I I really hope to see that. I mean, there are some classrooms that have 42 kids, right? Great. Like, we have an educator um, who taught ninth grade and they did it virtually and had like 259th graders. And it's like, how do you, what? How does that even work? So, and and so to make this a norm, we all know that like our educators are getting the best that they can get. Right. And so I, I love that so much. Um, okay. Well, how can our listeners connect with you, Eddie?
2: Yeah. So you should, first off, listen and subscribe to National Board Conversations. You'll get to hear from NBCTs from all over the country. We broke it was a podcast that I picked up a couple of years ago. We're about to break 20,000 downloads. So I would appreciate y'all getting me there. And then uh, you can follow me on Instagram at edistato. I'm not a frequent poster. I don't really post very much because I do this for a living. So I'm kind of tired of it by the time my own life comes up. And so you can follow me there, but you're not going to get much content. But definitely listen to National Board of Conversations. It, these teachers are awesome. I love speaking to them and they they keep me they keep my drive going to continue in this education space.
1: Yes, and we'll have all of that in the show notes, listeners. And also, you know, I am pro sliding into those DMs, so definitely slide into those DMs. Yeah,
2: come through. I'll answer DMs, but <laughs> you're just not gonna get a lot of postable, postable content from my account.
1: Um, no, that is a okay. I just love like the access via DMs because I've met some really dope people yeah. just sliding into DMs. So. <laughs> All about it. Um, All right. Well, thank you so much, Eddie. This has been just so great, Um, and you've taught me a lot. Which and you've piqued my interest as well. So I'm really,
2: really, we're gonna get you on board. We're gonna make you a candidate.
1: Yes, I'm so excited about that. Um, and so, listeners, remember you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org, and you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash one sixty two. We'll have this episode's transcript uploaded by Friday, so be sure to check back to access those. Also, we are asking our listeners to leave a review if this podcast has been helpful in supporting you to create a blended, self paced, mastery based learning environment. It does help other folks find it. So, thank you all for listening. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday. Eddie, you're the best. Continue to do things that bring you joy. I really appreciated you being in this space with me.
2: Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank
0: you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org. And you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class proj that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students and schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast.